With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Chapter 35 of The Hand of Fu Manchu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Hand of Fu Manchu by Sax Romer. Chapter 35, The East Tower. With a cigarette between my lips, I sat at the open window, looking out upon the skeleton trees of the orchard, for the buds of early spring were only just beginning to proclaim themselves. The idea of sleep was far from my mind. The attractive modern furniture of the room could not deprive the panelled walls of the musty antiquity which was their birthright. This solitary window, deeply set and overlooking the orchard upon which the secret stair was said to open, struck a note of more remote antiquity casting back beyond the carousing days of the Stuart monarchs to the troublous times of the Middle Ages. An air of ghostly evil had seemed to arise like a miasma within the house from the moment that we had been disturbed by the unaccountable rapping. It was at a late hour that we had separated, and none of us, I think, welcomed the breaking up of our little party. Mrs. Oram, the housekeeper, had been closely questioned by Smith, for whom Apulo, as a newcomer, could not be expected to know anything of the history of Greywater Park. The old lady admitted the existence of the tradition which Nayland Smith had in some way unearthed, but assured us that never in her life had the uneasy spirit declared himself. She was ignorant, or, like the excellent retainer that she was, professed to be ignorant, of the location of the historic chamber and staircase. As for Homopulo, hitherto so irreproachably imperturbable, I had rarely seen a man in such a state of passive panic. His dark face was blanched to the hue of dirty parchment, and his forehead dewed with cold perspiration. I mentally predicted an early resignation in the household of Sir Lionel Barton. Homopulo might be an excellent butler, that his superstitious Greek nature was clearly incapable of sustaining existence beneath the same roof with a family ghost, hoary though the spectre's antiquity might be. Where the skeleton shadows of the fruit-trees lay beneath me on the fresh green turf, my fancy persistently fashioned a black-clad figure flitting from tree to tree. Sleep, indeed, was impossible. Once I thought I detected the howling of the distant leopards. Somewhere on the floor above me, Nayland Smith, I knew at that moment, would be restlessly pacing his room, the exact situation of which I could not identify, because of the quaint rambling passages whereby one approached it. It was in regard to Karamina, however, that my misgivings were the keenest. Already her position had been strange enough, in those unfamiliar surroundings, but what tremors must have been hers now in the still watches of the night, following the ghostly manifestations which had so dramatically interrupted Nayland Smith's story? I dared not imagine. She had been allocated an apartment somewhere upon the ground floor, 
and mrs oram whose motherly interest in the girl had touched me deeply had gone with her to her room where no doubt her presence had done much to restore the girl's courage greywater park stood upon a well-wooded slope and to the southwest starting above the trees almost like a giant spanish priest showed a solitary tower with a vague and indefinite interest i watched it it was monkswell an uninhabited place belonging to sir lionel's estate and dating in part to the days of king john flicking the ash from my cigarette i studied the ancient tower wondering idly what deeds had had their setting within its shadows since the angevin monarch in whose reign it saw the light had signed the magna carta this was a perfect night and very still nothing stirred within or without grey park yet i was conscious of a definite disquietude which i could only suppose to be ascribable to the weird events of the evening but which seemed rather to increase than to diminish i tossed the end of my cigarette out into the darkness determined to turn in although i had never felt more wide awake in my life one parting glance i cast into the skeleton orchard and was on the point of standing up when although no breeze stirred a shower of ivy leaves rained down upon my head brushing them away irritably i looked up and a second shower dropped fully upon my face and filled my eyes with dust i drew back checking an exclamation what with the depth of the embrasure due to the great thickness of the wall and the leafy tangle above the window i could see for no great distance up the face of the building but a faint sound of rustling and stumbling which proceeded from somewhere above me proclaimed that someone or something was climbing either up or down the wall of the corner tower in which i was housed partially removing the dust from my smarting eyes i returned to the embrasure and stepping from the chair on to the deep ledge i grasped the corner of the quaint diamond-paned window which i had opened to its fullest extent and craned forth now i could see the ivy-grown battlements surrounding the tower the east wing in which my room was separated was the oldest part of greywater park sharply outlined against the cloudless sky they showed and the black silhouette of a man's head and shoulders leant over directly above me i drew back sharply the climber i thought had not seen me although he was evidently peering down at my window what did it mean as i crouched in the embrasure a sudden giddiness assailed me which at first i ascribed to a sympathetic nervous action due to having seen the man poised there at that dizzy height but it increased i swayed forward and clutched at the wall to save myself a deadly nausea overcame me and a deadly doubt leapt to my mind in the past sir lionel barton had had spies in his household what if the dark-faced greek homopoulo were another of these i thought of the forty-five port of the ghostly rapping and i thought of the man who crouched upon the roof of the tower above my open window my symptoms now were unmistakable my head throbbed and my vision grew imperfect there had to be an opiate in the wine i almost fell back into the room supporting myself by means of the chair the chest of drawers and finally the bed-rail i got to my grip and with weakening fingers extracted the little medicine chest which was invariably my travelling companion grimly pitting my will against the drug but still trembling weakly from the result of the treatment internal and subcutaneous which i had adopted i staggered to the door out into the corridor and up the narrow winding stairs to smith's room i carried an electric pocket-lamp and by its light i found my way to the triangular panelled landing i tried the handle as i had expected the door was locked i beat upon it with my fist smith i cried smith there was no reply again i clamoured awakening ancient echoes within the rooms and all about me 
but nothing moved and no answering voice rewarded my efforts the other rooms were seemingly unoccupied and smith was drugged my senses in disorder and a mist dancing before my eyes i went stumbling down into the lower corridor at the door of my own room i paused a new fact had suddenly been revealed to me a fact which the mazy windings of the corridors had hitherto led me to overlook smith's room was also in the east tower and must be directly above mine my god i whispered thinking of the climber he has been murdered i staggered into my room and clutched at the bed-rail to support myself for my legs threatened to collapse beneath me how should i act that we were victims of a cunning plot that the deathful sea fan had at last wreaked its vengeance upon nayland smith i could not doubt my brain reeled and a weakness mental and physical threatened to conquer me completely indeed i think i must have succumbed sapped as my strength had been by the drug administered to me if the sound of a creaking stair had not arrested my attention and by the menace which it conveyed afforded a new stimulus someone was creeping down from the landing above coming to my room the creatures of the yellow doctor having dispatched nayland smith were approaching stealthily stair by stair to deal with me from my grip i took out the browning pistol the chinese doctor's servant should have a warm reception i burned to avenge my friend who i was persuaded lay murdered in the room above i partially closed the door and took up a post immediately behind it nearer came the stealthy footsteps nearer now the one who approached had turned the angle of the passage within sight of my door he seemed to stop a shaft of white light crept through the opening across the floor and on to the wall beyond a moment it remained so then was gone the room became plunged in darkness gripping the browning with nervous fingers i waited listening intently but the silence remained unbroken my gaze set upon the spot where the head of this midnight visitant might be expected to appear i almost held my breath during the ensuing moments of frightful suspense the door was opening slowly slowly by almost imperceptible degrees i held the pistol pointed rigidly before me and my gaze remained fixed intently on the dimly seen opening i suppose i acted as ninety-nine men out of a hundred would have done in like case nothing appeared then a voice a voice that seemed to come from somewhere under the floor snapped good god it's petrie i dropped my gaze instantly and there looking up at me from the floor at my feet i vaguely discerned the outline of a human head smith i whispered nayland smith for indeed it was none other stood up and entered the room thank god you are safe old man he said but in waiting for one who is stealthily entering a room don't as you love me take it for granted that he will enter upright i could have shot you from the floor with ease but mercifully even in the darkness i recognized your arab slippers smith i said my heart beating wildly i thought you were drugged murdered the port contained an opiate i guessed as much snapped smith but despite the excellent tuition of dr fu manchu i am still childishly trustful and the fact that i did not partake of the crusted forty-five was not due to any suspicions which i entertained at that time but smith i saw you drink some port i regret to contradict you petrie but you must be aware that the state of my liver due to a long residence in burma does not permit me to indulge in the luxury of port my share of the forty-five now reposes amid the moss and the tulip-bowl which you may remember decorated the dining-table not desiring to appear churlish by means of a simple feat of legerdemain i drank your health and future happiness in claret 
for God's sake, what is going on, Smith? Someone climbed from your window. I climbed from my window. What? I said dazedly. It was you. But what does it all mean? Karamaneh. It is for her I fear, Petrie, now. We have not a moment to waste. He made for the door. Sir Lionel must be warned at all cost, I cried. Impossible, snapped Smith. What do you mean? Sir Lionel has disappeared. End of chapter 35